telling people what to do. Welcome to episode 70 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les, and my co-host today is Dade. In this episode, we're talking about all the stationery news and our future as a podcast. But first, let's talk about what we're consuming. Dade, what's uh, what are you consuming these days? Um, well, currently, I'm drinking a blonde flat white from Starbucks with two raw sugars. That's important. Um and I'm writing with a uh, Swiss wood. It just happened to be on my desk, and I'm too lazy to move a foot to get something else. <laughs> so, um, and I'm just writing on uh, like a post-it pad. Um, so I've been really, really busy with work. This month, I have a total of three days off, um, not counting the end Oof, of the month. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, luckily the, the high school and the college work, it's not hard. Um, it's enjoyable, but it's just the fact that I have to be somewhere every day pretty much. Um, so yeah, I just really haven't had time to do much. I mean, I'm excited for the end of the month. Um, Gina and I are going to the pen show in Baltimore. We've never been to Baltimore, which really surprises me as someone who grew up in New Jersey and living on the East coast. But, uh, we got a hotel right by I forget what it's called by like the like the downtown area by like the water and like mm. so Friday we're going to go to the pen show go to the recording of Erasable uh, Saturday Wright is having kind of this open house thingy I'm going to go to but really I'm just looking forward to getting away um, and also meeting um, some stationary folks so. Um, in my downtime, I've, I've really just been playing video games just because it's low impact. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I haven't really worked on my blog much. I just want to participate in an activity that allows me to kind of check out, um, you know, after working so much, it's just, it's easier. Um, so playing a lot of World of Warcraft, um, I pre-ordered the new Animal Crossing Nintendo Switch console um, for those gamers out there. Uh, it sold out in about two hours, um, so I'm glad I got it. I'll post a link in the show notes. It's really beautiful. I already have a Switch, but I couldn't help myself. Um, not sure if I'm going to sell my other Switch or try to get Gina to play video games with me. That would be perfect. Um <laughs> Finally, as far as my world goes, I've been shopping for an espresso machine for home because we, you know, I'm starting to do our taxes and I looked um, what we spent last year because we 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 hardcore budgeted. So we tracked every single purchase for an entire year. And it turns out that Gina and I combined spent thirty two hundred dollars on coffee. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we were we are budgeted one hundred dollars a month for coffee each. So we went over by a thousand dollars and, you know, it's, it's rough to see that number. And so, you know, I can't help myself. I, I sometimes like a good latte and I don't want like brewing coffee or making pour over is fine, but I don't know. Sometimes I want to treat myself. So I figure the investment in an espresso machine would be a lot up front, but we'd still save money because then we'd stop going to Starbucks, coffee shops, etc. I, I think it definitely pays off in the end. We 
purchased a not inexpensive but not expensive espresso machine. Uh-huh. And it's not it's like a mid-range Capresso, so it's not it doesn't brew in the same way like a as a as a machine that you'd find in a coffee shop. It brews differently. Um but it does a good enough job that I'm happy with it. I was really skeptical and I like when right, right. Chris was like I, I I have points on the credit card and I'm going to, this is one of the options. Like, I don't know. It's going to make crappy espresso and we're never going to use it. That's what right. I said. And I use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't make lattes. Um, I find the foaming attachment for those machines to be a bit of a pain in the butt. So um, we have a separate frother that I can use that okay. is just manual and I like that um, better than like using the machine itself to froth. But like I would I I would say that you will absolutely enjoy having an espresso machine in the house um, so long as you get a grinder that can do an appropriately sized grind for the machine. That's so, key. So, yeah, so I'm looking at one that actually is like a mini version of a coffee shop espresso machine. It has a hopper, built-in grinder, you'd tamp your shot, um, it has a steam wand. Um, so, you know, I mean, our our upper end limit is $1,000, so mm-hmm. we're fine with the one I saw is about $600. It's the, it's called the Breville Barista mm-hmm. Express I if the the only thing that I would suggest to you is get one that has a separate grinder because if the grinder the grinder is going to go to hell or the machine is going to go to hell uh, well, I mean the espresso machine but Breville does um I believe they're one of the companies that they offers self- parts I was just going to say the the reason I I was skeptical too I was like I was like damn it like um you know if this part breaks, then the whole machine is not worth it. But then I was on their website and they pretty much sell every part for that machine. I guess yeah. that could go bad. So I'm a little bit more reassured um, because I still I haven't pulled the trigger because I'm just really cautious to spend that much money on something um, without I've been doing research constantly. So, yeah, I don't know um, if anyone has any suggestions after the show goes live. uh let me know because I I want to do it sooner than later because you know I want to make coffee at home. Mm. So anyhow, um, that's for my you know my my universe um, coffee, video games, and work really. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's talk about some new things. Um, I recently purchased the Blackwing, the new um, sharpener, the the one stage. Yeah. Um, I did not get it yet. I bought it a couple days ago, but I'm excited, um, but I'm also skeptical. What makes you skeptical? Um, a few things. I First, let me talk about the plus. So um, I really like that you it has like it's self-contained, meaning when you sharpen, the shavings mm-hmm. are caught. I really, really like that feature because I, I use my Pollux and it um that's one of the drawbacks is having to deal with that Mm. i did hear some things from folks about opening the sharpener up like it's kind of fiddly okay 
um, cause you uns- unscrew the ring and then like the sharpener is separate. So the, the sharpener piece is not attached to the, the top, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I worry about that. And I also worry about the fact that I heard that the thing that holds the sharpener is not metal. Oh, like the, I, I swear I heard that somewhere that it's not. Yeah. I, I, I also read that either the sharpener itself or the clip that holds it in place was plastic. But then I've also read that the whole thing is machined metal. So I'm not sure what's true. So I am on their website and two reviews say it's all metal. So that makes me feel better. Um, all metal, no plastic. Um, and another one said all machined metal, no plastic anywhere. Um, so I'm happy to hear that. So my skepticalness goes down mm-hmm. a few notches. Um, they don't have replacement blades yet available. Does it not use the same blade as the Pollux? I heard no. I heard oh. replacement blades are coming soon. I wonder if they're the same blade as the Coombe Long Point. I can't really see on their website because the, they show a picture of the sharpener, but they don't show it. It's not a good picture. Mm. Um, so I really can't tell. Like I said, this is all I don't know until I get it in my yeah. hands. But I I hope it I hope <clears throat> it, uh, you know, actually exceeds my expectations. So here's a question. How much was it? Twenty dollars. OK. Um, are you familiar with the Coombe Ellipse? I've heard of it, but I don't, I've never used it, nor do I own one. Okay. So Coom um, has several different versions of the ellipse. They also have one that is branded for Prismacolor, and it is a self-contained sharpener with a very similar um, oval egg shape. The sharpener fits into the end and then has a cap that goes over it that's also egg-shaped. So or the other half of the egg. So you take one half of the egg off and then you're able to sharpen your pencil directly into the other half. Um, so it looks like, like a, like an oval. Okay. The issue, it's a great sharpener. It's a short point sharpener, not a long point because it's, it works really well for colored pencils. Oh, actually I own this sharpener. I just didn't know it was called that. Yeah. So you, you probably have the Prismacolor version of it. That's black. Yeah, it kind of look okay. never. It looks like I'll, I, never mind. Yeah, I know exactly what you think it looks like, and I agree. <laughs> <clears throat> so we'll go from there. Um, the problem with that sharpener is that when you have a really dull point and you go to sharpen it, and you have a pencil that can like has a continuous strip that comes off of it. So basically, a high quality pencil. Well, you'll get a like a, a continuous strip of of wood that comes off that pencil, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So when you get that big long curl, that shaving of wood, it bunches up on top of the sharpener, and then basically it plugs up the sharpener and stops working well. So then what you have to do is you have to take that ellipse apart and empty up the shavings, so or tap them down into the bottom of your little egg shape. Um. And then put the thing back together and then continue sharpening. I'm worried that that's going to be a problem with that Blackwing sharpener. And I know that they offset the sharpener bit a little bit, which makes sense if you're trying. Because part of the problem with the ellipse is that it's too narrow. Um, 
and then the sharpener is exactly centered in in the midst of the holder. So you don't have a lot of room for the shavings to filter down into the bottom, unless you're only doing a few quick touch-ups here and there to keep your point really fresh. I don't know if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I can, you know, like I said, there's been some reviews uh, up already on it. Johnny did a really good write-up of of everything. So until I get my hands on it, um, you know, obviously I I can't form a total opinion, but I agree. I, I... I could see that happening, um, but the way the way it's designed, it's not centered, like you said. So yeah, one so can hope. Be helpful. Um, so also, we can both talk about the new offering from Baron Fig, the mm. Work Play Three uh, notebook. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that? I, you know, I really enjoyed the other. Um, God, why can't I remember? I I was thinking about this. I had that pale purple blue colored notebook with the elastic closure. Um, I think it had an elastic closure that had, it was half ruled. So half the, half the top of the page was blank and then it was ruled on the bottom. And it looked like a field sketchbook that you, we used to get in my undergrad and you can still get, you can find them at art, art supply stores all over the place. Um, but it gives you a place to draw and then reflect or record observations. Very yeah. useful style. So I was really into that. And I had not gotten a work play in the past. I don't know why I never got it, but I just never did. I love this. I love, so I love the deep, dark black cover. That yes. is just, it's amazing. It feels great. The debossed um, imprint on it that is a halftone fade for anyone who remembers old timey printing. So it, it, you know, large and small, uh, circles that are, and these are slightly glossy in the imprint. So I don't know if they, um, put something in there to make them glossy or if it's just part of the printing process or the debossing process. So I love that. I love the black notebook, but I really like, um, I'm doing some art journaling in mind. So what I'm doing is I make art, on the right-hand page that's blank, and then on the left-hand page, I reflect on that art. And it's just, it's a great basic art journal in that way. I mean, basic in terms of is what, $24? Um, or is it a $20? I don't remember how much this is, but... Um, it's 20 20 okay. So it's a $20 journal that's a, it's a little small for art journaling, but it's really good if you're doing daily reflection pages. So in terms of art journaling, it's really nice if you're not using a lot of mixed media or a lot of wet media. So like some basic collage, some sketching, some pen and ink, maybe a light watercolor wash. It's really great for that. And I love Baron Figs paper. So um, I'm a little biased in terms of the paper, but I really do like it a lot. What are your thoughts? I agree with you. Um, I really like the look of it. I usually don't like black colors obviously um for anyone that knows me i'm quite the opposite but i don't know there's just something about it it's just it's perfectly designed um and i i just like the texture on the front but as far as how i'm using it um i use it for tabletop rpg stuff so mm. um i've been like 
you know, when there's downtime at my college job, we really can just do whatever we want. So I've been like sketching up ideas for like D and D campaigns and the dot grid on the one side is perfect for map making. Yeah. Because each, you know, each grid is essentially, you know, and like a five foot square and like a D and D map. So it's perfect. I can map stuff out, but then on the right, I can either draw something or I can just write whatever. My dream notebook would be lined on the right and dot grid on the left, but that's such a niche. There's actually, it's, it's just really funny because when I was doing research, cause I'm, I'm working on a review, I was just like, you know, looking at stuff. There are so many copycat notebook companies. Um, yep. There's one called Code and Quill. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so they have a lined dot grid. But yeah, like I just their paper is is not as good. And mm-hmm. um, but no, I it works perfectly for, you know, I'd recommend it for anyone who is a tabletop gamer. Um, it's a perfect I could I could see it being a good gaming journal. So if you started a new campaign, um Especially if you're playing a game where you're using theater of the mind, so there's no tabletop map, um, you're able to sketch things out. I mean, it's it, again, it's niche, but it would be great for Baron Fig to release a notebook catered to the gaming community. I think they'd get a lot more response than they believe. Like there's so there's such there's such a market out there for it. Um, yeah. And so yeah, so that's how I've been using it, and and like I said, I've I've really enjoyed it. The paper is great. Um, it actually works out really well for me because the paper is so good that, um, I can use colored markers and stuff, and and there's really no bleed, bleed, or there's no like, you know, shadowing on the next page. So yeah, plus one thousand to Baron Fig for this release. It's it's really been great. Yeah. I, I just I'm really digging into it and it's been like, it's one of those things that I, I I've done in the past where I sit down and I do a little bit of art every night and I do a little bit of reflection. And as I have a lot of change going on in my life and with um, my workplace, my workplace is changing so much right now and not in a bad way. Some of the change is really, really good, but ha- sitting down and being able to have a moment to think, but also to process in a visual way, since I am a visual person, has been really, really helpful for me. So this will not be my first and last work play. I'll definitely be getting another one because I'm going to I'm going to plow through that real quickly. Yeah. And I mean, it is um, it is limited edition, right? Um, I think so. I think that they, yeah. they do limit it, but they have this is the third one. Right. So they've had several different versions of it. Yeah. So, um, but no, I'm probably going to buy one or two more just to have on hand for future gaming escapades. Mm, Cool. Um, Very cool. Did you want to circle around and talk real quick about the Blackwing rebranding or do you want to roll that into our... I think we uh, should roll that into the main topic. So before we get to that, though, I want to know what's going on in your world because it's been a while, Les. I know it has been a, uh, a quite a while. So um, for anyone who is not a member of our Facebook group and, you know, it's the only thing that makes Facebook really worth going to. I mean, that and Erasable, but, you know, mainly RSVP for me. Um, <laughs> I uh, my laptop died, which is why we haven't recorded in a minute. So I my last laptop, I bought the finest, most expensive laptop I could afford at the time seven years ago. And it was a quad core Asus and it just, it, 
plowed through video editing. It plowed through audio editing. It's just a beast of a machine. Um, and in seven years, it just decided it was enough and it just tapped out. So, um, so yeah, so I've been offline for, well, it, it died just before we were going to record the week before last, I think. Last week, I don't remember. Yeah, last week. It was it was actively in the process of dying before that, but I did think that I would be able to record the podcast, and then it just started just randomly shutting off, um, and then it would reboot and reboot and reboot, and it's just it's dead. So anyway, um, I I was offline for a while. I mean, I offline in terms I was stuck using my Kindle and my phone to navigate the internet, which is. I don't write a lot on my phone. I find it very tedious. And I also have a tendency because of the setup of my phone and the length of my thumb that my thumb hits the period instead of the space bar. So people who get a lot of text messages from me, or you can tell when you get something that I've written on my phone, because every other word at least will be separated by a period instead of a space. Um, and then the spelling just goes to hell and it's just, it's a mess. My writing on my phone is a mess. <clears throat> so yeah, there's, there's that. And so I've been, I've been offline a lot, which is not, not a bad thing. Um, so that's, that's where I've been. And over on Comfortable Shoes Studio, I've been, I, I, every year I do this thing where I write a reflective post about what I'm hoping for the future and kind of looking back on the past year. Um, and I started doing this, I think in 2016, 2015. So I have like, if I, I look in my Google drive, I can go through and I can see this history of reflection, which is kind of neat. Um, and so I was kind of thinking about the future of comfortable shoes studio and what I'm going to be doing with it. And it's, it's interesting to think in that manner of like, what am I going to do? And cause I'm definitely shifting things up, right? Like I last 2019 and 2018, I really focused on reviews and reviews of inexpensive inks and expensive pens. And because I was shifting jobs, I really needed to think about what's professional. I didn't need to, but that's what I chose to. What's a, what's a professional ink? What's a professional pen? And that's, that's how I do. I, all of my reviews and everything that I write on the blog is reflective of my life, if that makes sense. So I, I, I always, if you're reading a review for me, you're reading something that's actually been tested in real world world circumstances in whatever my real world is in that moment. And I currently work in a place that's, um, we use electronic health records and I am 100% all for uh, electronic health records. They just protect your private health information so much better than paper records. Um, it's so, I mean, for me to lose someone's information, I would have to print it off and then lose it. And I just don't ever print off anyone's personal information. Uh, whereas if I were doing a paper health record, I could misplace it. Billing could misplace it. Someone in the office could misplace it. Someone could come into my office and swipe it off my desk. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I use electronic health records now, which means I don't use pens nearly as much as I did at the old place that had paper records. And it limits my ability to write reviews because I'm just not using pens as heavily as I as I was. Pens and pencils, period. So basically, I'm limited to how I use pens and pencils and whatnot in 
my hobbies and my life outside of work or just in my planner at work, which my work planner can't be photographed. Um, I mean, certainly I could, and then I could blur out everything, but that doesn't really show you how it's used. And that is like a whole other ethical issue, right? Like if your therapist is making a copy of their planner and then posting that with things blurred out, are you able to unblur it easily or not? And I just don't, I don't want to go there. I've seen, as actually, um, when I was in grad school, a classmate posted a selfie with a client she was working with and the person was blurred out, but not well enough that you couldn't recognize that person. Um, and didn't, and it was a cultural thing too. Like that person came from a culture where that was okay. Um, oddly. Um, but anyway, so it's like one of those things, it's like, you know, I just can't photograph that. And that really kind of changes how I do reviews and how I explore my materials. So that post was all about kind of the beginning stages of that and, and how changing jobs and life changes really alter your ability to do things like write. I don't think I wrote much of anything in 2019. And in the beginning of 2020, I hadn't written much at all. And then I got my new laptop, which, as I've joked, is one step above a pizza box with a keyboard um, drawn onto it and a screen um, drawn on. Uh, it's it's real basic, but it does the job, right? And uh, I it's super lightweight, whereas my old laptop is a 17-inch and it weighed a lot. This thing weighs next to nothing, so I can literally take it from room to room. I can sit it on my lap. It's got, um, like, if I look at it and it's, um, it gets fully charged in no time and then the battery lasts forever. So I can take it into the living room and I can sit on the couch in front of the fireplace with music playing and I can, I can write. So I started writing again and it's all trash. It's such such a weird thing. Like when you've been writing for a while and you get your confidence up and you start to feel better about your writing and then you stop and it's like, you got to relearn your balance on a bike again. And I'm in that, I'm in that moment where I'm relearning my balance um, with writing. And it's just like, I, I read through what I've written and it's all out of order. My outline, I didn't bother with an outline. I just started writing, which is kind of what I often do. Like I'll start with an idea and I'll write it down and then I'll go back and I'll, I'll start an outline. I'll get like 1500 words, kind of give me an idea of who the characters are. Um, and then I go back and I, I work on the outline, but man, it's, it's bad. And then like, I'm getting caught in the trap of, I'm just going to edit this, which is always a bad idea. So there's that. Um, and other than that, I've continued to watch Stumptown, even though before the um, Hollywood um, holiday break, it was sort of disappointing about where the character Dex was going. Um, and they've kind of turned away from the love triangle that they were initially pushing her into, and then they've made it super awkward. So like, it's not a love triangle anymore. And um, they're exploring other options, which I appreciate. But it feels very um, exploitive of uh, both queer pain and, like, military vet pain. So I'm not sure how I feel about it still. I keep watching it because it's kind of fun and I love the sort of, like, 
mystery of the week setting thing that's going on. I also have been watching Black Lightning, which is one of the few superhero shows where I don't feel like it's queer baiting. It's sort of like these characters are just lesbians or or bisexual or whatever, however they identify. And they just are, which is kind of cool. So I enjoy that. I've also been reading more gardening and farming books and articles. I finally I got my hands on some um, kefir grains Um and please don't try and correct my pronunciation to kefir. That's not how it's pronounced unless you're an American and haven't bothered to learn how to pronounce it. It's kefir. Um, so I, I made my first batch and it's super tasty and, um, I'm looking forward to playing around with that some more. Um, but other than that, um, and sort of like the brief catch up or maybe lengthy ramble catch up for me. Um, so Dade, are we ready? For our main topic. I think we are. Okay. So we wanted to kind of talk about our thoughts on the Retro 51 brand retirement. Is that the best word for it? Um, I think so. Uh, yeah. So so my understanding of it is, is that the guy who owns and created Retro 51 from the ground up has decided that he wants to retire. Um, and part of that retirement is that he's also retiring the brand. He's closing up shop. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I'm not as in the loop as you are, um, in the pen world, but from an outsider, outsider perspective, um, it's fine to retire. I mean, we're all entitled to that, but I think retiring the brand, um, a brand that has been around, I don't know how long, but long enough to where when I first got into the stationary world, they were one of the, the top brands mentioned mm. if I was looking for a, you know, like a, a nice pen or a custom pen. So, um, to retire the brand with you, it just, to me, it kind of seems like an odd choice. Like why not sell it? Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't get it. It's almost like, I mean, I could see it maybe from a personal standpoint, if this person, you know, built this from the ground up and they don't want to see anyone else take it over because they might not like the direction it may go after they retire. Mm -hmm. I, I get that, you know, that would be the only reason I could see that happening. Um, perhaps the owner wants it to end, um, because they don't want it to be changed. You know, I mean, we've seen time and time again where uh, bigger corporations uh, switch hands. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example because it's right next to where I live. Mm. Uh, Yankee Candle, um, you know, is 20 minutes from me, like world headquarters. Yep. And um, a couple of years ago, they sold out to uh, Newell, Rubbermaid, Newell Brands. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I knew I worked at Yankee Candle when I first moved up here. And um, since then, they've outsourced the call center to another country, which, again, nothing wrong with using another country. But um, about 100 people lost their jobs or got transferred. Um, and the brand really, it's just not the same. Um, the product quality isn't as good, even though the factory is still in South Deerfield, Massachusetts. They're still making candles. It's just you can tell. Because I've been buying the same candle for years. Um, mm -hmm. And over the past, I'd say, five or so years, it looks the same. But it it 
doesn't smell as strong or it doesn't smell the same all the time. It just, and I know there's variations in candle making, of course, but you can tell there's a difference. Um, so circling back to the retro 51, you know, if, if say someone comes along and buys the brand and they switch it up, you know, I could see a legacy of something you've created ending as something that, you know, you don't want it to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I, I think that the open letter that they wrote to their customers was kind of, uh, it didn't explain anything. It didn't tell us anything other than, yeah, we're, 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 you know, winding down production and we're eventually going to close. So, yeah, I don't think that there's enough information to, to, you know, say one way or the other why. And I don't know that that, matters so much um but i again i like it seems very unbusiness oriented for someone to turn around and say i'm going to close this rather than continue it It, it's a very unusual thing particularly for an american company you know you expect that someone is going to cash out or sell the company and cash out and that's not what's happening here so it feels very um, I'm going to use kind of a loaded term here, foreign. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's a very foreign concept, I think, for us as Americans to think about the fact that this person is just like, yeah, I'm done. So this company's done. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, the reason businesses exist are to make money. Right. So it just seems counter to that whole idea to just say, I'm done and walk away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are you going to yeah. do with stuff? Just wind down you know, wind down production and then sell out of your stuff. And that's that. I mean, that's fine, but I don't know. You're right. It, you know, it is unique to the American experience of capitalism and making money. Mm -hmm. That's a very strange feeling. That said, um, so, um, it's done a, I don't know. I don't want to say a number, but it's definitely boosted the collector's market for retro 51s. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, even in RSVP, a lot of people are buying a lot of our uh, retro 51s. I've seen a ton of images on Instagram of people just going hog wild with purchasing retro 51s and a lot of them. Yeah. Um, a lot of haul picks. Right. And that's fine. If you have the money, um, do what you want with it. I'm always, I've always been a fan of if you want to spend your money on that and you mm-hmm. can afford it, go for it. But I just, I find it to be a little silly. Um, well, I, and honestly, like, so when I first, many, many years ago, first started looking at retro 51s, they were in the $20 range. They were and some of them you could get, I think, for less than that if you looked on the right places. And the price for them has steadily gone up. Um, and and I so I'm just going to throw out there. I'm not a huge fan of the Retro 51 pens. I think I'm they're OK. I think that they felt OK. They weren't right for my hands. I felt that they were a little off balance. However, my wife loved them. So pretty routinely, I would buy her a Retro 51. Um, Like for her, I got her one of the medals. I think it was the Eisenhower 
is the silver with bars on it. Um, I don't remember. Maybe it wasn't the Eisenhower. Anyway, I bought her one of the, the um, metal versions, the president metal, ver- whatever the hell it was. Uh, so I bought her one of those for her graduation um, from law school, um, along with a few other things. So she got a, like a leather briefcase to go with it. Um, and someone stole it off her desk at the court. So, but, but anyway, like that was a really cool pen and it, but for me, it wasn't balanced for the size of my hands for her. It was great. She really enjoyed it. It was like a nice balance for her and it fit her hand size much better than mine. Um, and then I got her another brush, brushed stainless steel version, um, Mm -hmm. which I think she still uses if she hasn't lost it. So, um, she really liked them because they fit her hands really well. They never fit my hands perfectly. I do have a retro 51 that looks like it's a ballpoint, but it looks like a, um, engineering pen pencil, you know, one of the drafting pencils. So it's got like a knurled grip and, uh, a hex body, um, and then some knurling at the top and a basic, um, clip. I really like this retro 51 the hexamatic. Um, I was just looking at that because I was on their page while we were talking. Yeah, it's a great pen. Um, and this, it has a nice balance for my hand. Um, it is heavy because it's, I believe it's all brass on the inside. Um, but that was, that's, that's the thing that I like about retro 51s the most is that, that they were all really well made. Um, even if you didn't like the balance of their pens, like one of the things that made it so great for my wife is that the pen itself was virtually indestructible. There was no way she was going to destroy that pen. Um, because my wife breaks stuff. Uh, My wife looks at stuff and it breaks. My wife walks into a room and something breaks. Um, so for her having a pen that is virtually indestructible, um, is, is important. And now, um, actually, I gave her a Squire, and she uses a, a Baron Fig Squire, and really likes that. Um, but yeah, I think that it's you know basically Retro Fifty One just took the collector's market and cranked it to eleven, and we're gonna see a lot of increased buying of every Retro Fifty One out there, and we're gonna see a lot of flipping. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, I don't think that they're gonna be worth that much. There's a million no. of them out there. Um, and you know, they're kind of basic and you really have to, as, as I've learned, you really kind of have to sit on, if you're going to buy a bunch of stuff to flip it later on, you're going to have to sit with that investment for at least a year Yeah. for it to be worth anything. If not um, longer. Right. Like my, you know, like my Blackwing 811s, you know, I sold one box so far for $80 on eBay. Mm-hmm that's that you know what i mean so um i think that that like there's this and it's so interesting we're talking about this and like you know because retro 51 they have all their limited edition kind of designs um johnny just posted a blog post about limited edition fatigue Mm. um and yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to finally hit the fatigue point. I, I didn't think I would. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. It just, 
the retro 51 thing, um, seeing the posts in the group and everything. And also we're, we're going to talk about the Blackwing rebranding, which isn't even a limited edition thing. I don't know. It just seems silly and foolish and like, I don't know. I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum as Lenore likes to say, but, uh, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I don't think they'll be worth a whole heck of a lot. Um, maybe double what you paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's not really a return for me. So, um, so yeah, so I'll link Johnny's post. It, I don't have time to read it cause we're recording, but yep. I skimmed it and it, it's actually really timely. Yeah. Um, but actually, do you want to talk about the, the, yeah, the wing the rebranding? Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, go ahead. So, um, you know, and this is one of those things that I'm kind of out of the loop on because I, I see a lot of stuff coming from Blackwing. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, and I, but I have been reading about the various rebranding things in the groups. Um, I, I hate their new logo. I think I've said that before when they came out with a new logo. I think it's, it's ugly. It's that Me bad. Me too. It's awful. It's not a good logo. I don't know. Like, close up those lines. Stop it. Um, yeah, stop I don't. Changing things. Like, it's what they're, since I've been in the pencil world, it's like what their third time changing things up. Yeah, something like that. I mean, they, they've been really changing things up for a while. And every every time they change something up and they change the, like, we're going to put this logo, we're going to take that logo, um, everyone in the collector community, like, goes wild about buying up all of the old versions um, and hoarding them um, before they start buying the new version. And I just, I don't know, I get tired of it. I actually really like their new box. I like how it it doubles as a as a pencil holder. I like that. I haven't actually gotten my hands on one. Eventually, I will. Um, maybe the next time we have a get together in in um, Cambridge, or maybe not. But I I don't know. I they're so overpriced now. And you know, is this is this rebranding going to also come with another price hike? That's right. another question that I have. Um, but yeah, the the we, and we keep touching upon the collector's markets and how um, people see the rebranding as a reason to buy a whole bunch of the other version. And in some cases, um, like some of our, our friends and the people in the group don't like the change. So they want the old ones because they like the horses on them or they like the trees, um, which I have to say, I actually am a big fan of the trees over the horse. Um, I, I really, really it doesn't really make sense with Palomino. Um, but that's beside the point. I really like the three little trees on me the black too. Me like too. I, I like trees. Trees make me happy. Um, so it's, I think it's, it's cause that's one of the things they're taking away, right? Is the tree. Uh, yeah, it's the tree replaced with like the font bothers me too. Um, but yeah, the trees are going, they're gone. Um, okay. let me actually swip to the page that I yep. was on. Um, yeah, the, there's no icon now. It's just black wing in, I don't know what font face that is. And 602, for example. And on the other side, it's, you know, the half the pressure, twice the speed. So there is no icon on the pencil at all, mm. at, at least for the 602. Let me just check the, the, um, and can we say how they have a missed opportunity of calling the MMX MMX? Yep. They call it the Blackwing Matt. 
Yes, with a matte finish. Um, so yeah, no, all of them just have the black wing in bold print and then in regular, uh, just the name of the pencil. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, the only thing I do like, um, is the box that it comes in. Yep. Uh, I could see myself using those for other things Mm -hmm. and I could just wrap it in some kind of different paper. Yep. So I don't have to see, but other than that, I don't know. I didn't buy them. I, like I said, I ordered from their website to get the sharpener, but I didn't. Why do I need to order more black wings? Right. I have enough. And it's not like these are going away. Yeah. They're well until they, need, <laughs> they do the next rebranding. Right. Right. So like, but seeing people buy the old boxes, I don't understand that. Like well, I get it. They're you, different, but it doesn't, they're I don't collectibles know. Collectibles now date. Well, then I guess I'm sitting on a gold mine. (laughs) You know, I mean, I do. I will say I like the old boxes. The I call it like a a watch box or a jewelry box. Yeah. Style. Those actually were great for sending people pencils and stuff. Yeah, Um, absolutely. They're so sturdy. They are. And like this new box, because it's rectangular um, and thicker, I it won't ship as well in a padded mallard. Yeah, it's going to be a pain in the butt to ship any of them. I feel like it would like rip the mailer or like potentially get stuck in the mailing system. So I get if you like the old box, but don't just buy the tree black wings to buy the tree black wings. Well, I think I think in some cases people are buying them as an investment. They're buying them because they're no longer being made and thus a collectible. And they think they're going to be able to flip them. And, you know, there are some people out there who are completionists who have one, like a box of each. So, you know, and there are always new people coming into the hobby. And many people still look for like 211s or uh, (laughs) 725s. You know, like there there are still people out there looking for singles or or entire boxes of these pencils. So, you know, and and so to, to a point. Uh, those folks who are buying like mass quantities of the old version aren't entirely wrong, but I don't think that it's going to ha- have the same collectible cachet, if you will, as like a 73 or a 54 or a 211 or 725. They're just, no. I'm, and I just, I'm reading those off the pencils that I have on my desk. <laughs> um, but because I can't remember all of the numbers because I don't I I haven't gotten a whole bunch of the newer ones because I'm just right, right. I have the and Johnny and I have talked about this to a certain extent the fatigue with limited editions um and I'm 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 with Johnny like there's this point where I just want to use my stuff right like I have hundreds of nice pencils yep I have dozens and dozens probably hundreds of nice pens and and probably at this point a gallon of different shades of like if you combined all of my ink into one big container i probably have a gallon of really super cool ink and i'm at the point where i just want to use this stuff i just want to kind of sit down i've acquired all the stuff and i know the stuff that i like you know like i like the extra firm black wing but I also like the Ticonderoga stripes. I really like the pen and gear neon or the pen and gear black. Um, I like all of these pencils. I like all of these things. And I want to sit down and I just want to use them. And 
to me, I don't need to acquire more stuff. I need to find ways to use this stuff. And in some cases, like I had like 60 composition books here that I had acquired over the years as part of my composition book series. And I donated a stack of them. Yeah. And the pencils that I wasn't using, I donated those. And some of some of the stuff that I'm, I'm like have art supplies that I haven't touched in 10 years, donating those. Um, and I think I think that sometimes as as an artist and as someone who writes and as someone who actually uses a lot of these materials in the other hobbies that I have, sometimes I acquire because I'm feeling I'm having imposter syndrome, which isn't really a real syndrome, but we use it as, you know, um, and I think we acquire to kind of fill that creative void. And, and we say someday I will use these things. And one of the things that 2019 and going into 2020 showed me is to stop hoarding. And I shouldn't use hoarding, but stop acquiring and stop accumulating stuff in the hopes that I'll use it in the future because life is short. And you know, if you just, if you save for the future with like these, these material things and the hopes that you're going to use it eventually, and this is just dramatic, you're going to die not having used any of this great stuff that you've wanted to use your entire life and you're just letting it sit there. Right. Although I will, dust. I will say that in case something happens, Gina has been instructed to ship everything to you. Oh, I like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, like, well, we this is kind of a morbid discussion, but you're right. Like, I mean, think of how many things that we have, like, like the room I'm sitting in right now, if I were to be able to sell everything for, for what people are willing to pay for it, it's probably thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. But when you move on, unless your partner or someone taking care of your estate knows that, they're just going to see them as pencils and pens. Um, And so it'll be lost, essentially. It'll probably, you know, I mean, look at, think of all the the original 602s that probably were thrown away. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, like I just, I can, I, I appreciate what I have and I do, there are certain things I will buy as they come out. But other than that, I've really also scaled back on being selective with my purchases. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I've been at that point for a while, but really, and, and yeah, I'm being a little morbid, but, you know, my grandmother just died and she's like a prime example of some of this stuff. Like, and part of it is she was born um, and raised through the depression. So people have, you know, we, we go through life and we look through life through our own personally colored lenses. And sometimes those lenses have us do things that don't make a whole lot of sense. Like you scrimp and you save and you, you put things aside for the future because you never know when you're going to run out. Right. Right. And, and so like my grandmother had a lot of stuff that she had purchased and you couldn't touch it because you got to save it for the future. And she, you know, she was almost 90 years old and it's like, your future is, is now <laughs> like it's right. time to use some of this stuff. And, and I, I think that kind of like, wh- that's where I've been getting over this last year is that as I've, I've met and I've worked with people who have nothing and I have stuff, you know, and, and the reality of it is, is like, we're all one step away 
from having nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all one car accident or one one horrible experience away from not being here anymore. Yep. And this is dark and it's dramatic. And I don't mean to be a downer, but also we have to live our lives. And, and, you know, part of, part of living life is acquiring stuff. It's, it's, and if I'm not saying, and I got flack last time for sounding judgmental, but I'm not being, I'm not judging people for acquiring stuff. I acquire stuff. I like buying stuff. I enjoy buying stuff. I am looking at myself and doing sort of an internal audit of it's time for me to start using some of my stuff and stop sitting on my stuff and and waiting for the future to be a good time to use my stuff. And and for some people the acquisition of stuff is the hobby, right? Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And I don't want people to think that I'm being judgmental about the acquisition or collection as part of the hobby or as the hobby because I'm not and I want people to remember that I am being self-reflective here because I got a lot of flack last time. I didn't, um, yeah. but I also don't, I check out for like weeks at a time on, on the internet, but no, I agree. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that buying excessive amounts of things is wrong. I'm speaking through the lens of my own experience right? and I'm putting the judgments on my own self. Um, I don't get it and I don't understand it sometimes um, when it's done to an extreme but I myself am very guilty of in the past stockpiling things. Um, and I have to sit on that pile of things and think about my actions <laughs> and right. the money, you know, you know, think about the money that I spent and what I could be doing with that money right now if it's my pocket. So my, my reflections and my talk is, is really my own experience and my own subjective thoughts and feelings on it. Mm. So, that's a little asterisk for my commentary. <laughs> well, and I think that sometimes um, when people listen to the show, they forget that we're two friends having a conversation and who happen to be recording that conversation and yeah. assume that what our conversation is about is telling them what to do. And I very much don't, want that to be the case what i very much want us to do and want us i we're we're having a conversation we're recording it and it's not about telling people what to do it's about inviting people into the conversation and also inviting people into furthering the conversation on either facebook or um what's the other place that we're on why can't i know why can't i remember what it is um spectrum spectrum or twitter or you know hitting us up and and having those in-depth conversations with us, um, rather than taking uh, our conversations as this is what you should do and this is what I think you should do, because that's that's not the case. That's um that's not not what we were about. And I don't think that's no. what RSVP is about, which kind of brings me into our next topic is sort of the idea of what we are about. <laughs> And our future planning. Um, but I think we did this. To, I think we did it a bit last year. Um, we kind of talked about our future plans for the show on the show. Um, yes. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm writing and talking because I have a, a an idea for the show title. So I wanted to write it down. Um, 
And so I think this is the point where we can kind of roll into those future plans for the show. And I know over the last couple of months, it's been hard. And it's one of those things that we as podcasters come into more and more is that our outside lives are very different than they were when we started the show, what, two, almost three years ago? Is it almost three? Three. We're going, we're going into our third season. So, um, yeah, nearly three years ago when we started talking about this, our lives are different. You know, I was in grad school. Um, you were starting your undergrad and Lenore had more flexibility in her life. And here we are three years later and my job is more rigid than it has ever been. You know, I'm doing 40 hours a week at a set period of time. Um, and it's a, an exhausting job. Um, and you're going to grad school. Yeah. And, you know, obviously those things come first, but you're right. Like things have drastically changed. I mean, three years ago, I had infinite amounts of time. Uh, and as the years have gone on, that window of time has gotten smaller and smaller for me. And I always told myself that if, if doing the podcast became a task or became something that bothered me, you know, like say, like, I felt like I didn't want to do it. Um, I would just not do it. And I haven't hit that point yet. It's not a task for me, but I worry that, that when grad school gets thrown into the mix, um, it, it may not be feasible for me to be regularly um, on the show uh, because I don't know, like I was telling you off air, I don't know the intensity to which the program, you know, everyone tells you one thing, you know, when I was going into undergrad, people were like, oh, it's going to be so difficult, you know, when you transfer to that four year school. My community college was harder than <laughs> Mount Holyoke. So <laughs> I really think that. I can't I have to find out for myself how how hard it's going to be. Um so yeah, I mean I don't know what you know, I I mean we we release two episodes a month. Um and I like that. It's kind of a sweet spot for mm -hmm. for podcasting. But I don't know what it would look like if we did one episode. I, I think for sure we'd have more to talk about. I feel like mm -hmm. the episodes would be longer, but then that gets into the territory of podcast being too long mm. i feel like an hour is the sweet spot for for podcasts at least for me personally um, i agree with you yeah because because a lot of my podcast listening happens on the way to work mm -hmm. so when i go to my one job it's about a 25 minute drive so an hour-long podcast is my drive there and my drive back right and i'm not gonna to be honest with you if i don't finish a podcast i don't go back to it mm. it just you know what i mean like i just don't you know, I, I don't have that time commitment. So, but yeah, what are your thoughts, Les, on like what? Um, well, I, I think, and it might be that you and I or you and Lenore sit down once a month, but it might be that um, we bring other people into the conversation as well. Um, it might be that if it's too much for you, um, then we pull someone else in for either a temporary replacement or whatever. Um I want to say temporary, but you know, we never know. And I mean, I get it. Like I went into grad school after not being in school for 15 years and it was a hard transition. 
Um, but then towards the end, which is when we started this podcast, um, I needed the break. And so for me, sitting down with you and Lenore for an hour and a half for two hours, because we don't record everything. There's usually some chit chat before there's some chit chat afterwards. Um, So it's usually like a two hour commitment to record the podcast. I needed that kind of break. I needed to take a, a mental break from my from my thesis. I needed to take that kind of break from the heavy duty, intense reading that I was taking part in. Um, and I'm hoping that you get it. It seems like that for you as well. I mean, at this point, like editing is kind of brainless. I set the computer to take care of the background noise. I level it and it doesn't, it's a lot of hands off time where audacity is kind of doing its thing. Um, because that's what used to stress me out. Not so much the conversation with you and Lenore, because I always find talking to you and Lenore relaxing. Like it's always like, sometimes I'm like, Oh God, I've got to record the podcast. And then after the podcast, I'm like, wow, wow. It's just like having a conversation with my friends is so relaxing. So, you know, that's, that's an important Part, I think that I'm hoping that you stumble upon is that despite it being a time commitment, it's a worthwhile time commitment because it's self care and it's also relaxing for you. Um, yeah, I, I mainly worry about the summer. Um, the program I'm going into is 11 months a year. So you only get one month off mm-hmm. and the summer is when we have the classroom stuff. So it is essentially five courses in two and a half months. Yeah. So, as far as like September to May, I mean, it's field placement and, um, our program does 30 hours a week field placement. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that's not 40 and obviously, um, I'm going to have most likely weekends free, but you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, just like I play video games, just like I, you know, read and just like I do it, it, it'll become part of the routine of connecting and, and participating in self-care. I think, I think for me, if I were to step away, it'd be summer. Mm. Um, and you know, we've taken breaks before, but I, I also like the idea of adding different voices, um, to the conversation, having guests on, having conversations with folks that, that have an opinion that don't have a platform for that opinion or, yeah. you know, so that's exciting too, to think about. Yeah. And I think, I think that I, it, if we're adding voices, um, I want to keep the voices queer. Um, and, um, queer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to like, <laughs> You know, I, I, I want to say um, female identified, but not like that's not really, you know, I'm having to, I'm struggling with how to like. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. You, with a female or, or focus, but not like because well, I then don't it, want it gets people who are of, tr- trans to feel excluded, but I want them to feel included in the queer. Um yeah, I don't want to like be turfy about it. No, no, no turfs. Turfs bad. Um, uh, I know what you're saying. Like, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I think like, or actually, you know what the good way to say it is? 
marginalized voices. I want to hear marginalized voices on our podcast. I want to continue with the, because we are, I I think to an extent, despite the fact that we're all um, white for the most part, um, we are marginalized voices. And I want to keep that perspective as part of our show Um, because every other podcast, I don't want to say every other podcast about stationary, but the majority of podcasts about stationary don't focus on marginalized voices. Um, and we are not the majority of the stationary community. And I want to make sure that we continue this conversation by including more people who are on the outskirts and on the marginalized part of the community. And maybe we'll get some flack for that. I don't know. I hope not. But um, I definitely don't want people. I was struggling for words and I don't want people to think I'm turfy because screw turfs. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that um, especially in the stationary world, um, Mm -hmm. there needs to be more voices other than cis white males. Yes. We'll stop there. Yeah, we, we won't go any further because um, I, I did get a comment at one point on Twitter that um, I was, what was it? I was too, too woke. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, and I, I'm not sure that that person realized I could see their comment on someone else referring to me as too woke. Um, yeah. But you know, whatever. So if you are a person with a marginalized voice and you want to come on the podcast, hit me up. Um, you can hit me up on, um, the various places where you can have conversations with me. Probably the best place is through our Facebook group. Um, but before I get into that, what, any other thoughts on future planning? Um, no, I mean, we, we talk a lot about topics and you know, new things. And I don't know, I, I miss like the old days of like actually talking about specific products. Remember those days? Yeah. Not all the time, but I, I don't know. I miss talking about actual items other than what's new in the stationary world. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Like, like, like not doing like top five pencils, but like, I don't know how we could do it, but, but I miss talking about, about things that aren't new. Well, I think we can certainly roll that in. Um, I think that's that's and that goes into kind of the thought process that I'm having for Comfortable Shoes Studio and what we just talked about, about using the things that we have acquired. And so maybe it's a matter of having um, some shows where we we pick a tool and we use it or we we pick one of our hobbies and we explore how the tools, the, the various, and when I say tools, I'm meaning stationary, how the stationary are used in those various hobbies. Yeah. And those, that could lead to some super deep dives. I think anyway. I no, think I agree. No, I agree. Totally. But no, that's, that's really all I have for, for future, future ideas, future planning. All right, cool. All right. So um, for anyone who is interested in being on the show um, or having having their voice heard or has a topic that they would like to discuss, 
with either just me or with just date, or maybe, maybe we'll be able to pull Lenore in, um, have a conversation about stationery. Um, hit me up. Um, there are lots of places to do it and I'll get into the various places in just a minute, but I do want to thank everyone who is on our Facebook group, who's on the various, um, places where we can chat. It's just, it's really, really wonderful to be able to sit down and, and be able to read through really intense, interesting conversations about a variety of topics, um, on Facebook. It's really other than, than RSVP and erasable. I'm there for the farming groups. I'm there for the gardening groups and, and pepper trades. But other than that, Facebook's kind of a cesspool. And I think that our group is like a, a, a lily pad in the midst of the cesspool. And it's just such a wonderful place to sit and have a conversation with folks. It's, I feel like I'm in my favorite cafe, sitting down, having conversations with people. And it's amazing. And it's always pleasant. So I just want to thank everyone for doing that. If you want to tell people about the show, the best way to do it is share a link on whatever social media that you use. Maybe it's Facebook. Share us with your friends. Uh, post a link to your favorite episode and tell people why you like it. And, you know, feel free to link me in, um, link date in so that we can read why you like our show. You can also go to Apple Podcasts or any other um, site that you use to have uh, to, to leave that feedback as well, feel free to leave a review about us wherever you leave reviews or where you listen to podcasts. Um, you can find the podcast at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. You can also find us on Spectrum Chat and Facebook. You can find me, Les, at comfortableshoesstudio.com, Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio, Instagram, and Twitter at Original LC Harper. Deed, where can the fine folks find you? You can find me at weeklypencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Weekly Pencil. And, of course, you can find Lenore on the Facebook groups Erasable and RSVP. All right. Thank you so much. I have had a great time talking Indeed. with you. Same.